Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. What is the fascination that we have with true crime? Books, TV shows, entire TV channels, actually, that are devoted to stories about murderers and missing people, mysteries, essentially, that we all want to see solved. There is no denying that we are drawn to these stories, whether they are in the news today or happened years ago. Now, Rachel Monroe is an author whose latest book tackles this subject. It's called Savage Appetites, Four True Stories of Women, Crime, and Obsession. And she joins us now to talk more about this. I have been looking forward to this discussion. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am one of those people, Rachel, who is also like, I I watch Dateline. I watch like every episode of Dateline. I, I know the ID channel. We talk about ID channel. And you know, a funny thing happened. I was at a, a, a family event once and I mentioned the ID channel and all the women in the room, all my aunts, cousins, all whipped their head around and they were like, I watch the ID channel. What is this fascination we have with true crime? Yeah, isn't it really striking that yeah. that it is so overwhelmingly women? I mean, if you think we tend to think of violence as a the male proclivity, and it's certainly if you look at who's committing violence, it's men. But the the fascination with the stories of crime um, are overwhelmingly consumed by women, and um, and I think it's a lot of different things all at once. That that was sort of why it, it took a whole book to get through it. Some of it having to do with empathy, some of it having to do with a fascination with psychology, um, some of it having to do with uh, a need for to create justice in the world I think that's a really good point I'd like to think about it that would make it the nicer option right Uh Uh this kind of morbid fascination that we have with it did you have a moment where you realized that you wanted to write about this well, it really started with a curiosity about my own self. Um, I am like you. I had this uh, real fascination with these stories, and it was always confusing to me because I tend to think of myself as a pretty friendly, nonviolent person. Um, but uh, it, especially if you get me together with my mother, um, all we are doing is like talking about just the most awful things that people do to each other. And you know, my father will have to like leave the room sometimes. And so uh, it just started out with that, like, why when I'm in a point of of uh, stress, had a hard day at work. Why is this what yeah. I turn to? Like what's going on in my own head there? What am I looking for? Exactly. You, you're so right. I, I was thinking about myself and my daughter. We do that. We watch these shows together. And so was there a particular moment though, where you thought I have to write about this? Well, it was just really like over time and, and also partly thinking back about my childhood and how how young I was um, when I read Helter Skelter, the book about the, the Manson family murders. I think I was 13. And so um, realizing that these stories have consumed me for, for so long and then also seeing that they were starting to have this cultural moment. I mean, they've always been fascinating to people, but in the past few years, we've, we've been in another one of these, what, 
what people call true crime booms. Uh, so it seemed like a really apt time to think about what in our culture was making us um, drawn to these stories as well, not just as individuals, but as, as a whole culture. Is it a modern era issue, though, or have we always had this fascination? I feel like even if you go back in history, there's always been a fascination with sensational stories. Totally. I think that's really true. I mean, if you look at crimes like, you know, Lizzie Borden, her right. the trial of Lizzie Borden was just full of people and full of women, too. So it's also not it's not new um, that that women are drawn to these things. But still, we have this idea that women are supposed to be uh, nice or, or quiet or peaceful. And so and, and that was one of the fun things about writing this book is I got to go back um, about 100 years. Like the first woman that I profile was born in the 19th century. And so um, tracing this fascination back um, over years and seeing how it built and how things like the internet have have changed it, but also how, how these fascinations um, manifested in the time before the internet. Right. And you divided the book up into kind of four archetypes, the detective, the victim, the defender, the killer. Why set it up that way? Well, partially because the more I thought about uh, and the more I looked into the reason women were fascinated with these stories, the more I realized there was such a diversity of the way that people were fascinated and how that fascination showed up in the world. It's really um, different, I think, to read a book and want to try to figure it out and imagine yourself as a detective versus um, the people that you hear about sometimes who become fascinated by serial killers or famous murderers and even to the point of you know writing them letters or in some cases like starting a romance with them so you have the same yeah. fascination but it's expressed in these different ways and so by setting the book up uh, to look at the same fascination shipping can make or break a sale so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. they make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. From different angles, it seemed like it could cover a lot of ground and... and some of the more encouraging or like justice oriented parts of the, the genre. And then also the things that are maybe a little bit more troubling as well. Right. What are the little more troubling aspects? Well, I write about a young woman who, um, became, uh, fascinated with the Columbine shooters online. And there's a whole, uh, internet world that a lot of people don't know about where particularly young women are essentially like expressing their love for the, the two school shooters from, from Columbine. Um, and through her fascination with this online world, she ended up uh, planning a mass shooting of her own. And, and I think we see this with a lot of these mass shooters that we have primarily in the U.S., um, that they go online and um, valorize these previous school shooters, it becomes almost like a cult of personality. And so um, I looked at that too, how, how the cultural fascination with um, uh, famous crimes right. can feed into that kind of obsession. But that is such a good point, though, when you were saying that. I was thinking about all the times we've heard about women who correspond with men in prison who have done the most horrible things. They have no shortage of women who still want to have some kind of a relationship with them. Yeah, that, I mean, that's certainly the case. I think in some ways that that's just an illustration of how our culture 
does, even if it condemns these these famous killers, it also is still fascinated by them. And, and so you'll see certain women playing into that. I mean, as they become celebrities. We grant them celebrity status in a way that I think is really quite troubling. And um, anybody who, who has that celebrity, even if it's a negative celebrity, is going to attract a certain number of, of hangers-on. Are there particular types of cases that fascinate you, Rachel? Um, you know, I I tend to be these days more fascinated uh, with the people who are fascinated with the cases, if that makes sense. I love yeah. the the um, online amateur detectives, cold, people trying to solve cold cases, people uh, who have conspiracy theories about famous murders like the Manson murders. I'm, I'm interested in it. Um, less the, the cases themselves, I tend to be pretty squeamish these days increasingly and, and more how they exist as a cultural phenomenon. Hey, let's talk about the detectives, as you put it, too, and you categorize them. Uh, you're right about the online communities now who decide they're going to solve some of these uh, cases, like the Golden State Killer was one of those cases. Yeah, I mean, it's an in- that's an interesting example because um, there was such a strong online community dedicated to solving it. I mean, people like Michelle McNamara and many yeah. others dedicated so much time to it. And I mean, what we now know, now that a likely suspect has been identified, that they they didn't get it right all of that time. And all, it shows in some ways like the limitation, right, of the online detectives is, is nobody, the guy who was essentially arrested recently, he was on nobody's radar. But that said what the online detectives were able to do was keep the pressure up on the police and um, make sure this cold, these cold cases didn't just get buried yeah. in a file room somewhere. And so even if online detectives maybe aren't from the, from the safety of their basement computer rooms going to solve a mystery, um, they can at least keep attention up and keep uh, people paying attention. Right. And so do you think in the end, is this good then for solving crimes to have so much attention paid to this true crime genre, because in the end, in some cases, it does, even decades later, end up solving crimes. I think we all just have to maintain our humility and to remember that there are real people at the center of these cases. I think that um, you're right that that sometimes the cold cases do get solved, but also at the same time, you see people... uh, who sometimes treat these cases as if they're just an intellectual puzzle or a game for them to work out and forget that there are there are victims and victims' families um, at the center of this. And you can also see them sometimes turning into vigilanteism, you know, identifying a suspect and, and kind of pursuing them extra legally. So I think just like anything else, there's a, there's a good and a bad. All of these things can be bent towards making the world a better place or, or making the world a maybe a more dark place. And, and we just have to be aware of our own motives and motivations. That is so true. Listen, fascinating subject. Rachel, thanks for talking to us about it. Thank you. Good luck with the book. It is Savage Appetites, Four True Stories of Women, Crime, and Obsession. The author is Rachel Monroe. Uh, And, you know, it it is a fascination that so many of us have, but it it always has been there, as Rachel and I were just talking about. Whether it was Lizzie Borden, Jack the Ripper, like you name it, historical murder cases, there's always been those that get so much attention and people can't stop reading and learning more about them.